We on yet? We good? Everybody now? Y'all good? Hey, hey, hey. There we go. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, no. Um, man, what an awesome time of worship. You guys rocked the house, man. Jesus, it's, man, Jesus was just lifted up. Amen? Woo! You feel it. Man, I'm like, you feel it on the inside, man, when Jesus is magnified because He's in us. And when He gets magnified, we get pumped. Amen? That's just how it's supposed to work. That's how it works, man. And it is so good. Um, uh, the pastor's right, man. You know, I love his heart. I love what he's called Destiny Bible Church to be as a place to um, cultivate your gifts. Um, I, am, I am not the person that I was when I first started going here. It's probably been 10 or 12 years ago. Um, I've learned gifts that I've had. I've sharpened gifts that I've, that I've had. Um, and it's been an amazing, amazing journey. And uh, I do, we, we just, we thank God for His heart to do that. So, it is amazing. Um, so, this morning I want to talk a little bit about um, uh, the, uh, some end times teachings. Amen? I've never talked about end times teachings. Um, but uh, it's going to be good because, you know, we as, as sons and daughters of God, everything we do, everything we say, everything we believe should come from a place of victory. It comes from a place of authority. It comes from a place of power. Because we understand who we are. We, we, everything we look at, we've been talking in youth, um, like we've been going back to creation and talking about the goodness of God. But before we go back to creation... We, we, we look, we want to look in, at creation as what we should know now of, uh, and who we are and, and our identity. For instance, like the realities that in, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that God is not the author of confusion. Mm-hmm. So we know that if, if you're walking in a season right now that you've had, you feel confusion and you feel frustration and you feel trouble and you just feel like things are coming against you, I can guarantee you one thing. I can't answer all of why those things are happening, but one thing I can guarantee you. God is not behind the frustration and the confusion and the difficulty. Why? Because the Word says He is not the author of confusion. Amen? Amen. And we go back. We always want to open up the Word with those realities that, that we know. The Word says, James says in chapter 1, that um, God cannot be tempted with evil Neither can He tempt. Do y'all realize that it's not that God chooses not to tempt us? It is actually impossible for God to tempt you with evil because God has no evil in Him and He cannot tempt you in something that He does not possess. See, it's not that God chooses not to tempt us. It's God cannot tempt with evil. He cannot tempt with evil. So if you're facing a temptation, you can know without a shadow of a doubt, God is not behind the temptation. It's impossible for Him. As much as it is impossible for Him to lie, it is impossible for Him to tempt. And you know, we, we go back to the garden, and we've been talking about the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and details, and we go back with those realities. Why did God put it in the middle of the garden? Well, we, 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 we know that if He's not a, a God of confusion, then He puts it, He separates it from all the other trees that they can have. So why? Why would He separate the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Why not just put that tree in the middle of all the other trees and then tell them, you can have all the trees you want except for that one over there that's hiding in the middle of the other trees. If you eat that one, you're going to die. No, why put it in the middle? Because he's not the author of confusion. So he separates it so they're not confused and they don't mistakenly eat the one tree they're not supposed to eat. Because he's not the author of confusion. Make it simple. Because he's a God who knows how to make things simple for us, but yet full of power. Why do we know the tree didn't? Why do we know that Adam and Eve didn't walk by that tree every day, going, "Man, that, I know we're not supposed to eat that tree, but man, that thing looks, that thing looks good, and it's out there in the middle of the garden too. Like every time we walk through the garden, that's the only one that stands out to us, you know? Because you know, I remember as a child, like you'd read those books and like the tree, the knowledge of good and evil, good and evil, it was growing, it was glowing brighter than any other trees in the garden. As a child, y'all ever read one like that? Where it was like, it was standing out. The only tree you saw in the illustration was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It stood out to you. And you're thinking, well, Adam and Eve struggled every day walking by that tree. How do we know that they didn't? How do we know that they didn't struggle with temptation every day when they walked by that tree? Because God cannot tempt with evil. God, it is impossible. It was impossible for that tree to be a temptation to Adam and Eve. Because He cannot tempt. 
You see, you always want to go into the Word. You always want to move forward knowing truth and knowing reality. And especially as we move into the end times, we want to go into this place. We want to move into the end. We want to step into the end times with with authority and with power and with knowing who we are and what we have and what we can do and what we're full of and what Jesus has done for us. We move forward in that place. Amen. And see, I know a lot of you probably aren't from around this area, but see, when you grow up in the Bible Belt, you grow up hearing a lot of crazy stuff. A lot of crazy religious stuff. I mean, Jesus even told the religious leaders of the day, it says, through tradition of man, you've watered down the power of God. You've pushed the power of God out of the reality and truth of who He is because of traditional teaching. And there's so much traditional teaching. Now, thank God, we don't get that. We don't get that here. Praise God, we, we hear truth and we hear reality. I'm just going to share with you today some things God's been showing me and things that He's showed me in the past. You know, as we march forward with authority and with power and with our heads held high into the end times. It's not, Lord Jesus, come quickly. It's, God, what do you want me to do to possess the land that you've given me until you come back and take it for yourself? What is my part? Because it's who I am. That's how we want to go into the end times. And that stuff matters. And we've heard so much teaching. Like, it's funny. I'll tell, I'll talk to Katie about some crazy stuff I heard growing up. And she's like, never, never heard of anything like that. You, you folks is crazy around here in this Bible belt. That's true. I thought everybody heard this stuff. And she's like, never heard that. What are you talking about? God gives and God takes away. That stuff ain't, well, that's in the Bible. You know, that's another hogwash truth and stuff that people talk about. Did Job say God gives and God takes away? Absolutely he said it. You know what was going on with Job? Job was having a really bad day. You ever said something on a really bad day and then afterwards you realize, hmm, I probably shouldn't have said that. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah, Job said it. Yeah, it's in the Bible. And you know, the Bible's full of people who had really bad days. And it was recorded. What they said. You know, it's interesting. You'll hear teaching about God gives and God takes away. But nobody moves on three verses later when Job goes, Curse the day I was born. I wish my first breath would have been my last breath. Well, isn't that interesting? It's all awesome and he's all fully religious and high on the hog when he says God gives and God takes away. Well, two, two sentences later, he's cursing the day he was born. You know why? Because Job was in the midst of a season of frustration and confusion and he was saying a lot of stuff he shouldn't have been saying but he didn't understand what was going on. And the Bible actually says see, if you put everything in context and you go to Job you go towards the end of Job. Job 36, Job 37 when God shows up on the scene you see Job in the first part of Job's life he had actually never met God. He was living based on truth that he had been taught on a God that was real. But he had actually never met God for himself. So when all this stuff happens, he doesn't really know who to put it on. He doesn't know what's going on. So he just says the first thing that comes to his mind. God gives and God takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. So we only receive good things from God and not bad. But see, then God shows up. And God, in God's way, starts teaching Job about who God is. And in Job chapter 42, you know what Job does? After he's met God and God's revealed Himself to Job, Job says, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth right now. He says, I've said a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have said. The, the message translation says, I once, the things I believed about you, I once believed crust of rumors and bread of hearsay. The things that I once believed about you came from the crust of what other people were saying and the bread of hearsay that's not even real. See, when Job met God for himself, his whole perspective changed. And not only did his perspective change, but his talk changed. Wow! Everything I believe about you, everything I thought was true and right, has actually come from the crust of rumors and the bread of hearsay. And now I've met you for myself. And it's interesting, because at the end of Job 42, the Lord comes back and restores everything Job had seven times more. Why? Because Job positioned him into a place to where God could actually be who God was. Because Job's mindset before he met God was actually blocking what God wanted to do. Well, you give and you take away. Blessed be your name. 
Should I, should I only receive what's, what's, what's good and I'll take whatever bad you have to? And then he meets God and he's like, mm. wow, I said some stuff that was really stupid. I mean, that's basically what it is. Put it in context, right? We're moving into the end times and we don't want to be talking stuff that's not truth. And we don't want to be talking stuff that's not victory and power and authority. We want to speak what He says. We want to know what He says. We want to live out who He says we are. I mean, the Bible says, I love this. See, I, I grew up, I grew up te- hearing teachers like, you know, we didn't, we didn't read the book of Revelations because everybody was so terrified of it. It's true. It's how the teaching was brought. People were so ready to get out of this earth. Lord Jesus, come quickly. Lord, hurry up. Lord, this, 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 this earth's going to hell in a handbasket. Every single one of you have heard and said it. Thank you for your honesty. You know why we say those things? Because we're taught the things that we're taught. And then instead of gauging, instead of gauging the Father for ourselves to know who He is and who He says He is over our lives, we just hear anybody that just says anything and we just receive it. And all of a sudden we're going, oh God, God, just come quickly, Lord. Oh, this world's just getting worse and worse. This world's just getting, it's just getting dangerous to live now. Things are just happening. Things are just going crazy right now. I just, I just, Jesus, come quickly, Lord. Come quickly and take us out of here, Lord. That's not victory. Yeah, could y'all imagine? Because yeah, I am a cheerleader. I'm a spiritual cheerleader. I am. You know, could you imagine? Like you're getting ready. The NCAA tournament's going on right now. They're they're getting close to the final four. Could you imagine? You're in the locker room, and the game's getting ready to start. The final four. These are the last two teams, right? And the five, they're getting ready to play for the championship ring or trophy or whatever it is they they get. And then they're in there, and one of them steps into the center, and he's like, "All right, guys, listen." This is going to be tough. It's going to be really hard. This team's really, really, they're just, they've caused a mess of everybody that they've played. Here's what I want us to do. I just want you to go out there and I just want you to do the best you can. I just want you to just like, it, it won't last long. <laughs> Listen, it'll be over soon, guys. Now let's just go out there and let's just, let's just do what we can do. And it'll all be over soon. Ready, break. That's not what's going on in there. Is it? No. They're in there, they're going, we can do this. We, we were, what did Coach K tell Zion Williams? They, they, when Zion played UCF, um, and they were down by whatever they were down by. And, and, and like, it looked like really there's just no way they can win this game. Coach K looked at them and he said one thing. You were born for this moment. It said, Zion said everything shifted in him. You know who scored the winning basket? Zion Williams. Why? Because somebody looked at him and said, You, my friend, were born for this moment. And it empowered him to go out there and win the victory. Because he was born for this moment. Listen, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you're living in these days, you were born for this. You were born for this moment. Oh, it's so good. These are exciting times. And that's what we'll talk about for a bit this morning. Exciting times ahead. It's amazing. You know, the Bible says, what shifted my whole, is really, my whole take on the end shifted as I got to know Jesus and stopped just listening to the teaching. But as I got to know Jesus for myself. I was reading in Daniel one day, Daniel chapter 11 in the Living Bible, and it says that in the end days, those that know their God will be mighty upon the earth and do great exploits. It didn't say those that know their God will be begging for the Lord to come back so He can get them out of here. It says that in the end days, those that know their God shall do mighty exploits. It says that and the most gifted will arise in the end days. Now the Bible says that the most gifted shall come forth and they will stumble and fall. But it will only be for an appointed time. 
And it will only refine them and make them greater because the time has not yet come. I want to focus on the fact that God is raising up some of the most gifted in the kingdom of God to teach His people. Listen, when I'm wanting to be taught something, I want to be taught by the best. And God's raising up those people. This is exciting times. And we want to wake up every day with a hope and with an authority, with a power. We want, to, we want to wake up, we want to walk out into this world and not be worried about what the news media is saying. And not be worried about what this person is saying and what that person is saying. I want to know what God is saying on this time right now. Amen. And what God is saying, that you will be mighty and you will do great exploits. Yeah. That's what God is saying right now. And we want to walk out every day with power and we want to walk out every day in authority. I love in Psalms 91. I was reading that this morning, and it's just in the it's in the uh, <clears throat> not to put it up because it's in the, the Passion Translation. But listen to this: You'll walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling every one of them beneath your feet. See, every day you wake up, you have access to a power that's in you that will cause you to walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling them beneath your feet. There is nothing to be scared of in the end times. There is nothing that should make you want to wish Jesus would hurry up and come back. See, people that are in war, they love war. They don't want the battle to hurry up and be over because they're terrified and scared. And they're like, I just hate why I hate fighting. I hate this. Why? Because they were made for that. David was made for war. You're made. You're made to stand tall in the end days. You have everything you need in you to carry out everything God has called you to. It's who you are. So... We'll go over to Matthew, um, no, excuse me, Luke, Luke 21. I'll bring some scripture out. You know, anything I talk about, I always want to bring it from the finished work of Christ. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 that when we minister the gospel of Jesus, when we minister the good news finished work of Jesus Christ, that as we minister, it unleashes the power of God in us through Christ. It unleashes. Like, I'll get the picture of a lion being let loose. And, and that's how I want to, that's how I want to bring anything that God's given me to bring. I want to speak as though it's the, coming from the oracles of God. Why? Because I want to bring it with grace and power and authority because it's who you are. It's what you have. I want to unleash the grace of God in your life so that you can go out and do everything God's called you to. You've not been given a spirit of fear. You're called to live fearless in the last days. You're called to live in authority in the last days. It's who you are. It's your call. And Jesus talked a little bit about the last days. I'm trying to just bring you some scripture. Sometimes I, I like, I reluctantly make notes because I bumble all over the place and then I don't say certain things that I really wanted to say. So I'm going to try to just stick to some of the points this morning. But one of the things the Lord really, really, um, He asked me a question, or He reminded me of something the other day. And in, in Luke 8, it's the story about um, the, uh, He gave a parable about a prayer, about a, 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 that, that you should always pray. And I started reading that because He asked me a question. I'll get to that question in a second. But in Luke, in Luke 8, verse 1, it says, He taught a story about prayer, prayer that men should always pray and to never lose hope. Now, to understand that, really, like, what is hope? Hope is, we're carriers of hope. But hope isn't just like a, well, I hope that happens and I hope this happens. It is a, it is a joyous expectation of something that is about to happen. It's not, wow, I'll be really happy if that happens. It's living with a joyous expectation 
because it's about to happen. See, God's kind of hope doesn't... Well, I'm going to get excited if He actually comes through. I'm going to get excited if what He said really happens. It is, I'm going to get excited now because God said it and nothing He says falls to the ground void. It's faith. Faith is living with joy before you see what He said. Because why? In your, in your spirit and in your mind and your vision and in your imagination, you've already seen it. It's already happened. So you're living with a joyous expectation. And Jesus said that men should always to pray and not lose hope. You know the first thing that goes when you've lost your joyous expectation of future events? Your prayer life. Men ought always to pray and not lose hope. See, when you lose joyous expectation of future events, the first thing that goes is you stop praying. You stop fellowshipping. You stop connecting. That's all prayer is. Prayer is fellowship and connection with your Heavenly Father. And when you lose joyous expectation of future events to come, the first thing that happens is you begin to not connect. So Jesus taught a parable about the importance of prayer. And he goes on, he talks about it's the woman. She came and she was knocking, 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 and she asked, and she asked, and she asked. And the Bible says this king, he said, he, 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 he didn't care about God. One translation says, he had no care for God and even less care for man. That's how, that's how Jesus described this king. He, he, does, he has no care for God and even less care for man. But this woman is wearing me out. So I'm going to give her everything she wants. Because she's wearing me out. God's not describing himself here because God, that's not, he, he man, he loves us. But the whole point of the thing is being persistent and staying with it. Listen, we're called to walk in authority. And in that authority, we stay with it. We don't give up. We don't quit. We don't lay down. We continue pushing forward when opposition... Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have tribulations. In this world, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, brother, he did say that. Things have been really bad. Don't stop there. In this world, yeah, you're going to have some troubles come against you. But stay full of hope. But be of good cheer. But rejoice. But be excited. But rejoice. But dance. Do whatever you've got to do. Because why? I have overcome this world. See, so often we, we just we stop right there. That In this world, you're going to have tribulation. Yeah, brother. Lord Jesus, just come quickly because it's really getting hard. It's really getting difficult right now. That's not where Jesus stopped. Be of good cheer. Rejoice. Be excited. Look forward to what's about to happen. We have to start looking forward to the end. We need to start looking forward to some stuff. Man, I'm going to tell you what. I love some action movies. MI6s, MI5s, all those MI movies. I love those movies. What was the other ones we watched? The set of... Oh, Jason Bourne. Mm, I love some Jason Bourne. I do, man. I will. Oh, man. I just. That stuff. There's something that happens on the inside of me when I watch stuff like that. I'm telling you, that stuff ministers to me. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. But, you know, really, because God's setting us up, because He really wants us to go into the end times with, with knowing that we can. We, we're, we're unstoppable. Nothing can stop us. I mean, nothing stops Jason Bourne. I mean, he'll die in the first movie and all of a sudden he's the main character of the second movie. You can't stop him. Seriously, I love those movies, but I really think it's, there's, there's a reason they register with me because God's calling us into action in these last days. Like, when we wake up, we look forward to going into this world. We look forward to moving forward. But in Luke chapter 8, Jesus finished that. He said, how much more will the loving Heavenly Father come to your aid when you reach out and ask for help? How much more? If a king that doesn't care about God and even less about people will come to the aid of a lady that's persistent in asking, how much more will a loving Heavenly Father come after you when you ask? How much more? But then he made a statement. He said, when I come back, will I find that kind of faith on the earth? Will I find that faith? What is it? One translation says, 
Will He find men and women on the earth who still believe in Him? Jesus asked questions. He said, when I come back, am I going to find people who still believe in Me? I don't mean believe in Me like I believe in Jesus. No. You know how you know if somebody believes in Him? Because they're walking in authority and they're not walking in fear. They're walking in power. They're walking unharmed among, among the fiercest darkness of the powers of evil. They're walking unharmed. And they're trampling on them every day because they have nothing on us. See, it's living. We're talking about living with hope going forward. Knowing that when Jesus comes back, I can guarantee you one thing. He will find us looking for Him when He comes back. He will find us living for Him when He comes back. He will find us walking in authority when He comes back. He will find us excited and full of joy when He comes back. That's who we are. That's what we've been called to. That's what we have. Come on. We have to stop. You know what happens is, I don't want to get ahead. But we, we, we like, listen, it's all distraction. All this, this, this governmental unrest, Trump this and Nancy Pelosi that and whoever the rest of them are, it's nothing but smoke and mirrors. Yes, pray. The only reason we should, we should engage in those, in, in what's going on up there, is for one reason, and that's to pray about it. That's the only reason you need to be in the know. Because if you're saying anything outside of what you're praying about, it's, it's a, it, you, you have been pulled into the smoke and mirrors of a bunch of distractions that's going on. It's the enemy. The enemy is terrified, and he is trying everything he can, and he's working in the hearts of the children of disobedience to do nothing but one thing, make distraction. I don't care who the president is. We will live victorious. We will still do great and mighty things in the end. The most gifted will still rise. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they raise taxes. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they build a wall or they don't build a wall. We will still do mighty things. The enemy wants you sucked up and absorbed in these things that have no benefit. Pray for your leaders so that you may live a peaceful life. That's all he said. You don't think there was political unrest in Jesus' day? Seriously. The, the, the Jewish, the Jews, the Rome, Rome had their thumb down on Israel. Their thumb down on them. And Jesus didn't go around teaching politics. Give to Caesar what's Caesar. Make sure you give to God what's God's. He wasn't preaching politics. He was preaching kingdom. Woo! He didn't get wrapped up in that stuff. I can guarantee you there was more stuff going on in the Jews in that day than anything we've ever seen here in America in politics. Guarantee you. We haven't had a country come in here, take over, and tell us how to live our lives. Well, the Jews did at that point in time. They were living under another country's rule and authority. And Jesus wasn't talking about Rome. He wasn't talking politics. These are nothing but smoke and mirrors. These are nothing but distractions to keep us from moving forward with power and authority in the end. I was listening to... This has been... I don't know, a year or so ago, I was listening to um, Rush Limbaugh and, and whatever. I'm not even going there with what that, any of that. But I was listening to it. I was listening to it. And all I heard the Lord say was, turn it off. I need you to tune in to the frequency of heaven. I need you tuned in to the frequency of heaven. Because what happens is, is we get tuned into the stuff that's going on in this world. And it is nothing but distraction. Listen to me. I'm telling you, Jesus has destroyed the devil. Hebrews chapter 2 says He destroyed him who had the power of death. He's destroyed. The only reason He has any access into this world right now is through the mind of unbelief. Which is why we're called to to, to, um, change the way we think 
so that we can live lives transformed. We should renew our minds. Change how we're thinking because when our minds are not renewed, we give the enemy access into our life and into this world. It is the only access he has. He's a defeated foe. He's the greasy spot on the bottom of your foot. Jesus put him there. I'm not just saying something to sound funny or whatever you want to say. Jesus says he defeated him. Destroyed him. That word destroyed, if you go back and study it, means he nuked him. It's the same word that gives you the picture of Hiroshima. The only access he has into this world are through the minds of those who do not believe. And when we walk around terrified of the end time, we give him access into our lives. And that's where fear comes from. Man, it's good. It's good stuff. Walking in the power and walking in authority. And Jesus asked that question. When I come, is there going to be anybody? Is there still going to be people? And Jesus knew the answer, but He was making... I love Jesus will say stuff and He'll make you think. He'll make you actually take, take account of your life. He'll start making you like look at yourself and say, Alright, you know, that's a great question. I need to actually just examine my life. That's a great question, Jesus. He's not saying it because we don't believe. He's not saying it because He doesn't believe in us. He's saying it so we'll turn our eyes onto us and not all this stuff going on and we'll begin to examine ourselves and not the President or the Democrats or the Republicans, but we'll begin to uh, examine ourselves to see if we are where we should be according to what He says. It's smoke and mirrors. You know, I love this. So people say, well, you know, all this stuff's going on. It's just the devil's just having a heyday. No, he's not. The devil is not having a heyday. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the voice, the voice translation says, despite what you may think, these ruling spirits are losing their grip on this world. Despite what you might think, why would you be thinking that? Because you're looking in the wrong place. But despite what you may think, these ruling powers are losing their grip on this world. The enemy is losing his grip. It's not getting worse. It's getting brighter. It's all perspective. It's all perspective. Now, if I look to the world, if I look into politics, if I look into the things that, that Jesus said would be the signs, it's getting worse. I'm not looking there. Jesus didn't say, keep your nose over there. He said, keep your eyes on me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. When I come back, will I find faith? Who will He find faith in? Those that are keeping their eyes on Him. That's true. That's good. So despite what you might think, these ruling powers are losing their grip on this world. The rulers of this age who are in the process of being dethroned. Right now, this very moment as we speak, those rulers of heavenly places, the second heaven, are right now as we speak in the process of being dethroned. Amen. We should walk around like that. Stop giving Him what He's not. He's a liar. All He's got is smoke and mirrors and lies. Jesus said there's not one truth that can come out of His mouth. And he's got sons and daughters of God running around terrified of the end days, wanting Jesus to hurry up and come back. God forbid. Because despite what we may think, he is losing his grip on this world. And we walk unharmed among the fiercest powers of darkness, trampling all of them underneath our feet. That's who we are. Ah. Oh. Good. So, real fast, let's just let's just do this real fast. In uh, in Luke twenty one, I want to share some things that Jesus talked about. Um, let's go over to. Uh, um, you can put this up, uh, Tasmir. You can put this up in the Amplify. <clears throat> Verses twenty five. Let's just start at twenty five. Um, there will be signs. Actually, you know what? Let's do it because we don't have a lot of time. Let's just go to the Message Bible. Tasmir, can you put it up in the Message? Uh, Luke 21. Uh, what did I say? Verse uh, 20, 25. 
Oh, my daughter's been playing with my phone here. I don't usually like to use technology. I'm afraid like it'll die or cut out or something, so I'm still old-fashioned. So, in the message, let's see. Is it up there? All right. Luke 25. In the end times, it will seem like all hell has broken loose. I love what Jesus said. It'll seem like it. Y'all realize Jesus didn't say in the end times all hell will break loose. There's a big difference between saying something's going to happen and it's going to seem like something's happening. Big difference. That word seem changes the entire message. It will seem like all hell is broken loose. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sea, and an uproar, and everyone all over the world in a panic. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom. By the threat of doom. I love this. The powers that be quaking. If you, if you, if you kind of study some other translations, I personally believe that he's talking about that spiritual, that second heaven. I personally believe that he's talking about the devil and all of his little cohorts. They will begin to quake. And right now, even now, because there's already signs happening. There's already fruit coming, birthing forth from the end times. I believe right now as we speak, he is absolutely quaking. Because why? He's losing his grip. And he loses more and more of his grip every day when the sons and daughters of God come to their place and their position and live out who he's called them to live. That's how he loses his grip. The wind knocked out of them by the threat of doom, the powers that be quaking. And then, then they'll see the Son of Man welcomed in grand style, a glorious welcome. Now, I love this. When all of this starts to happen, run, hide for your life. Pray that the Lord delivers you from these terrors. No, when you start to see all this stuff happen, up on your feet. Soldier, get up. Son, daughter, stand up on your feet. And don't just stand on your feet. But for God's sake, stand tall with your heads held high. Why? Because help is on the way. So when you see all these things happening... You know what I want you to do? I want you to stand. I want you to stand up on your feet. I want you to hold your heads high. I want you to stand with authority. Put your armor on. Because help's coming. The Passion Translation says, I love this. And at last, when you see how the Son of Man comes surrounded with a cloud, with great power and miracles, in the radiance of His splendor, and with great glory and praise, it's going to make you jump for joy. What should you be doing every day? Jumping for joy. For the day of your full transformation transformation has arrived. I love that. The day of your full transformation is here. So when trouble, when the voice says, so when trouble begins, don't be afraid. Fear not. How many times did Jesus say that to the disciples? When you see all this stuff happening in the world, when you see all this political unrest and wars and rumors of wars, when you hear people talking... Listen, I'll never forget when um, Olivia had just been born. And I was uh, I had just laid her back down. It was the middle of the night. I just laid her back down. I got back in bed. And the TV was on. And I heard this, this like, you know, that public service, on the TV. I was like, what the heck? You know, so we'll go look. And I had this picture of this... this, this uh, I don't know, uh, of a guy with... He looked like a rabbi, I guess. I don't know what he looked like. But it says, This just in. The Messiah has been found. Call 1-800-such-and-such for more information. Not being serious. And what did Jesus say? When people begin to come around, rise up and say, Hey, oh, I'm over here. Hey, he's here. Don't go after him. Because you're going to know when I come back. But that stuff's out there. I was actually studying that the other day. There's, there's 12... No, there's seven people right now in the world that are claiming to be the Messiah come back for the second return. No, and people are following them in troves. 
There's seven people right now that have claimed to be the second coming of Christ and people are flocking to them. But what are we called to do? You stand up with your head held high because He really is coming back. We live from a place of victory. We speak from that place. Listen, when you talk about anything in your life, you, you, you talk, you look up, you raise your head high. Because the truth is that your liberation is fast approaching. I love that. So, it's about living for victory, guys. And there are things that we can do. Jesus even, we'll go into it in just a second. I'm, I'm going to wrap up, I promise, because we're actually doing really good. Go me. Go me. Get y'all out of here. So. So listen, we always want to come from a place of victory. We're not called to run and to hide. I don't fully know what the end is going to look like, but I do know one thing. We will be victorious from start to finish. I know that. Because He said we would. When these things start to happen, I want you to stand up and I want you to lift up your head. See, and we can only do that from a place of authority. We have to know who we are. Pastor talked about that last Sunday. Knowing who we are. And you have to, listen guys, you have to let go of everything you think you know. You, you gotta, let me rephrase that, let me rephrase that. You need to be in a, you need to live in a place where you let go of everything, where you're willing to let go of everything you think you know. You have to be willing. All of us, but man, especially those of us who grew up in the Bible Belt. True. Especially. Authority comes from what the Lord has spoken to you, not from what a preacher or a youth pastor or a mom or a dad spoke. They may have spoke truth, but you can't swing their sword. You can't stand in their authority. I can't use their revelation to win the battle. I have to have my own revelation. Matthew chapter 16, this is the, the thing that Jesus taught, because it's get, gotten so twisted, but when, when Jesus looked at the disciples, He said, who, who, are, who are people saying that I am? Who, who's everybody saying I am? You know, they're like, well, you know, the government says you're this, and uh, Facebook says you're that, and, you know, Mom says you're this, and, well, Grandpa, he says you're this. See, it's interesting, all twelve had an answer. All twelve of them knew what somebody else was saying about Jesus. But then he looks at him and he says, who, well, who, who do you say I am? Who, who's, what's your revelation about me? I understand you know everything that everybody else is saying about me. But what's your revelation? Isn't it interesting only one of them had an answer? All twelve knew what everybody else was saying, but only one at that moment in time said, you're the Christ, you're the Son of God. Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona. Why is he blessed? Because flesh and blood did not give you that answer. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 that after he received the revelation, or after, after he received the, the, um, the vision and he, got, and he gave his life to Christ, he says, I immediately did one thing. I went out into the desert for 14 years and I did not allow anybody to teach me about Christ, but I received everything through direct revelation. Why do we have 13 books of Paul's epistles? Because everything he received, he received directly from the throne room, not through another man. He purposely went into the desert to be taught by God and not by what man thought God was. Now, I'm not saying run out into the desert. Because I didn't have to do that. There's so much stuff I've learned. But listen, he looks at him and he says, Blessed are you, Jonah, son of Barjona. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Barjona, for flesh and blood didn't teach you this. But my Father, which is in heaven, taught you this revelation. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Well, he actually said, And upon this rock I will build my church. You know, then, then there's, there's people in the Catholic church because Jesus changed Peter's name to Peter. He changed Simon's name to Peter, which means a rock. And then he goes, upon this rock, I will build my church. And then there's actually people that thought that Jesus was actually going to build his church on Peter. People actually believe that. Why? Because they take what they read at just face value and what other people have taught them and not, not actually study it. Jesus didn't say, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. He said, I'm going to build my church. I am going to bring authority to my people on the rock of revelation. Yeah. When you receive 
truth and reality from the throne room of God, when God speaks truth to you, you now possess keys of authority, revelation and breakthrough for you. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you, whatever you let into this earth has got to already be what's, let, what's, what's been let loose in heaven. Well, how would you know what's let, what, what's let loose in heaven? Well, if you've learned to connect with your Father who is in heaven, then that means you're coming from a place of heaven. Yeah. Seated at the right hand. You're carrying the keys of authority. We have to live in authority in the end days. We have to know that when the enemy comes against us, he's losing his grip. One translation, well, in, in, in Romans um, uh, chapter 13, it says, <clears throat> um, it says, uh, what did I? But make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off, oblivious to God. The world is trying to spin faster and faster and faster. And all it is is smoke and mirrors trying to get you distracted. It is so easy to become... Listen, don't become so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of time and doze off and totally become oblivious to your authority. There's so much more, but just for the sake of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. But I just want to encourage you. It's the whole Mary and Mar- Martha syndrome. You know, the Bible says that Martha was overly occupied and too busy. You want to find Mary? It says she was sitting at the Master's feet. One translation says, clinging to every word that he said. So what does it look like to cling to the master's feet and still take care? It's interesting that it says it's your obligations. But what does it look like to take care of your obligations but not become so absorbed and exhausted while doing it? And it's connection. It's where authority comes from. Peter received that authority. He received those keys and access to the kingdom. Because he had a direct connection to his father. And Jesus has brought that to all of us. So there's nobody in here that doesn't have it right now in the sound of my voice. You all have direct access. You all have that authority. It is at your hands and available to you. Every single person in here. And if you don't know you have it, just believe. And what, did, what did Peter tell the jail man when he ran to him? When all the gates opened and he realized, oh, I'm going to die. He runs up to, to Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? Yeah. Well, you need to come up front, brother. You need to confess your sins and then you need to let everybody else know that you're saved. It's not what he told them. And it's interesting. He said, believe. And you and your whole household will be saved. Wow. Love that. So, as I close today, just know that God has put you in Christ and given you all authority and all access to the kingdom. Amen? You have it. It's all yours. Amen? Alright. You know, uh, one, thing about, one thing about what he said, I mean, so true. I mean, living, li- living in the end times, which we are, I mean, the end of the end times, doesn't have to be a scary thing. You know, Joseph Morris teaches it this way that he said, you know, that the coming the coming of Jesus is not the hope of the world. Because if they're not Christian, if you're not Christian, when Jesus returns, that's bad news for you. Right? But you know, the the hope of the the hope of the church is the coming of Jesus. And one way you one way you can live victorious, and it's the only way you can live victoriously and fearlessly in what BJ was talking about. The only way you can live fearlessly in the end times is to know Jesus Christ. There's no other way because if you just what he was talking about, if you put your eyes on the world, if you look at the world, if you look at the you know I don't care what TV channel you turn on, if you look at that, you're not going to be living fearlessly. You're going to be in fear. 
But when, but I love what he said. You, you know, he, the, the Lord told him that day to turn off, to turn the, the the radio off, and what? Tune into the frequency of heaven. When you're when you're tuned into the frequency of heaven, you can live fearlessly. And the only way to do that is to know Jesus Christ. You know, and it's interesting. All, all this it all ties in together. The scripture I opened up with, where Paul there in Philippians, Paul said, Paul said, my determined purpose is this is to know Jesus Christ. To know Him better, to know the wonders of His person, to know everything about Him. This morning, listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, and you, and you say, you know, man, my life's a mess, the, the, world's, the world's a mess, all this stuff, you know, and I don't, I don't you know, it's scary, and it's, I don't know what to do. The answer is Jesus. And I want to give, we want to give you an opportunity. We never like to close out a service without giving you an opportunity to know Him. So let's, let's stand to our feet just for a moment. And just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for a moment, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't, you know, I want to live, I want, I want to be, I want to be that person that BJ was talking about when he preached. I want to be that person that, that can live fearlessly. And that can that can go that can that that can you know walk through these times knowing knowing that my God is greater than what I'm facing. But I I, I don't know how to do that. You know I'm not a Christian. I've never accepted Him. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? We just want to give you an opportunity. Listen, there's there's no shame in not knowing Him. Actually, it'll be the best decision you ever made. But anybody at all just say, I don't know Jesus, but, but I really do want to I do want to get to know him today. Anybody at all. Or you might even say this, you might even say, Pastor, you know, I know I've I've had a relationship with Jesus, but but I'm not living that way. I'm not living fearlessly. I don't you know, I'm living in fear and I'm not you know, and I, I don't I don't I don't know how to do that. But maybe it's time that you get your life right with him. Amen. Maybe it's time that Maybe it's time that you come back home and you start saying, you know what, today I want to live my life for Jesus, not for myself. If that's you today, here's what I want to do. They're going to, they're going to sing something and, and we're just going to open the altar. And if, and if you need ministry, if you need, if you need a touch, if you need somebody just to love on you, somebody to minister to you, uh, to pray with you, whatever the case may be, Stacy and I would love to pray with you. BJ and Katie would love to pray with you. Just make your way down to the front as they sing, and we're just going to have some ministry time. If you need ministry, if you need prayer for anything, just just come on down as they as they sing some.
Hallelujah. If I could get the uh, some youth to come up, and we're going to receive a youth offering right now. You guys come up and usher for me, and guys and ladies, whoever I need four of you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And this is an offering for our youth. Uh, this is an offering for our youth, and this all of this money is going to help send them to youth camp. So if you want to sow into that, it's a great opportunity to sow into these kids, sow into their life. And uh, so if you if you would like to do that, you can give now on this. And what we're going to do, we're going to pray, and they're going to uh, the Morning Star team is going to uh, finish us up here, and they're going to sing us out. And and as they're as they uh, as we finish the offering, then uh, you can be dismissed. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll we'll let them play us out today.